Anybody have grapevines in your yard? Anybody? Anybody ever had grapevines in your yard? No? Wow, I figured over here in Marin there would be lots of grape growers. Um, we, uh, we have three grapevines in our back little formal garden that we put in to our house six years ago when we moved there. Um, and we bought these things. They were fairly spindly. They were short little things in a, like a one gallon pot and we put them in to the garden and we fertilized them and we watered them and they grew like crazy. And now, six years later, uh, they, um, they would take over the yard like kudzu in the south if I let them. They just keep growing and growing and growing and it, it's, it's almost like you turn around and look at something and you turn back a minute later and they've grown a foot. So I am constantly, constantly pruning these vines, not only to keep them from taking over, I mean they'll put out tendrils, I have a little, uh, a couple of citrus trees planted about 10 feet from where the grapevines grow, and they will send out shoots and they will grab onto those citrus trees and wrap themselves around them and then it's like getting an octopus to let go of something. So grape vines, as wonderful as they are, are meant to be pruned. And I've been pruning them now for, this is my fifth season pruning them, and I have learned that the um, little snip here and the little snip there approach to pruning doesn't work. Okay, that would, uh, that would accomplish nothing. And I should have known that because I've, I've grown, we've, we've always gardened, and many years ago when we lived in western Washington, we had apple trees. And I watched my neighbor prune his apple tree, and he would just whack this thing off to where it looked like he had completely killed it. And he got these gorgeous, big apples, and I would prune mine and I would take a little bit off here and a little bit off there and I would have had like 200 apples but they were all the size of golf balls. So, but it's, it's at least of my nature to want to prune very timidly. And part of what the gospel of today is about is about how God treats us as branches of the vine. And he says, every branch that bears fruit, my father the vine grower prunes to make it bear more fruit. And it's not just more fruit, but it's better quality fruit. I think that's the key for me to understanding this scripture is that grapevines left untended, undressed, just let to run rampant, will produce tons of fruit. But it will be very low quality because the strength of the vine is being broadcast 
so far and into so many fruits that they don't get the nutrients and the strength that makes them high quality. And so the key to growing really good grapes is to grow fewer of them but have them be better quality. And that's what Jesus is talking about, you know? If you don't bear fruit, you don't have any business being part of the vine. But if you are going to bear fruit, I want that fruit to be really good quality fruit. Because I know you and you're not junk. You're not junk. You're not mediocre. You're parts of my vine. And you are wonderful. You are to be fruitful and multiply as God declared when he created you. But I want that fruitfulness to be befitting who you are. I want it to be great fruit. God wants us to be fruitful, but not just fruitful in a mediocre way. God wants us to be truly fruitful and to produce outstanding fruit for God. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, a part of what the Gospel tells us is that a big part of it is really out of our hands. That God is going to prune us. God is going to trim us back in order to help us bear better fruit. So, it's not like getting a little haircut either. You know, it's, it's not going in for a trim or your, your weekly wash and set. I don't know if anybody does a weekly wash and set anymore, but my mother every week would go to the hairdresser and get a wash and set, right? And she'd come home on Saturday mornings and she'd look like a million bucks. And by Sunday she'd already be going, oh, gee, well, it doesn't look as nice as yesterday. But the pruning that God is doing in us is he's, God is taking those less productive parts of our personality, those less productive parts of our faith life, and God is saying, you know, I love you, you're doing good work, but you're capable of better, so this part of you has got to go. You know, great job, I just want a little more, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to give up this. And we tend to not like that, right? I mean, you know, if my wife says, I love you, but would you please stop doing this? My reaction is, I like that, I love you. But it's when you say, but. However, God knows better than we do. God wants us to be fruitful in the ways that God knows we can produce the best fruit, the best results. So God is going to say to us, you know, maybe you ought to do less, but do it better. We live in a society that values busyness, huh? My wife was up this morning. Before she went to church, she mopped the kitchen, the bathroom, the laundry room, the breakfast room. I'm just trying to get myself up and washed, shaved, 
get my teeth brushed, remember to put my hearing aids in, you know, eat breakfast before I get out the door. But she, my wife more than anything else, hates a wasted moment. And she's so busy. And she does a whole bunch. What she doesn't do well is resting in God's presence. She'll go and go and go until she crashes. She'll get sick. Or she'll just conk out. And then she'll rest. So I think part of what God is saying to us is maybe you need to do fewer things but focus on being more effective at what you do. And in the church, we're really good at finding the people who are good workers and asking them to do more. You know, you're on the vestry and you're on the stewardship committee and you're a lay reader and I know you're busy but I'd really like you to take on Sunday school once a month. Or how about you serve on this task force? We're really good at inviting people who are already doing great work to do more. And you know that's in, uh, again that's in our society. We've got to increase productivity, right? Well, you know, you're a really effective employee, but I'd, I'd like you to, you know, I'd like you to handle six more phone calls an hour. Can you do that? I know you can. So we're going to set a goal for you of seven minutes of phone call. So when a customer calls with a complaint, you've got seven minutes to fix it. And if you can't do that, then you're just not quite measuring up. So what happens is, as we increase this focus on production, we decrease the focus on the quality of what we're doing. So I don't know where in your life you find yourself so busy that you settle for less than the best that you can do. I can think of lots of places in my life. I can't get on the computer to do some sermon preparation without playing at least three or four games of Spider Solitaire. Spider Solitaire and I'm pretty good at it. I win a fair amount. And I, I score highly a lot of the time. But does it contribute to what God really wants of me? Probably not. I hate to say it. So, periodically I try and cut back. God reminds me, you know... You really didn't prepare very well for this Sunday sermon, so I think maybe you should do a little less spider solitaire and maybe a little more sitting with the scriptures. What do you think, Peter? Well, I think spider solitaire helps me relax. Peter, are you listening to me? Um, you're laughing with me, right? Not at me. Okay. You've been there. Maybe it's not spider solitaire. Oh, it is, okay. It was Mahjong Titans for a while. You know, whatever it is. Um, but we find that in our lives. We find just so many things that can sap our energy and our focus. Perhaps it's worry. You know, I spend a lot of time worrying about things that I have absolutely no control over. I spend a lot of time worrying about things that might happen. 
rather than doing what I can do to prevent them from happening and then just dealing with them as they come. So, to be a fruitful part of the vine is to accept that God is going to lop off parts of our life that are less productive. Ask us to give some up and then there are times when God will just say, enough! I'd been a priest for uh, 15 years when I was diagnosed with cancer. And so 11 years ago I had this neck muscle removed and the tumor on my tongue removed and I had radiation and chemotherapy and I missed six months of work at the church. Bishop came to visit me in the hospital and said, you're on disability leave. And I said, oh, if I can just have a week off, I'll be, I'll be okay. And he says, you are on disability leave. That is not a suggestion. I am your bishop. Now, I don't think God gave me cancer to get me to slow down and focus. But one of the advantages of that experience was I learned so much about myself. And I learned so much about my ministry. I learned that when somebody is sick and I go to visit, I don't need to stay an hour. I felt if I just popped in, said hi, gave him communion, prayed with him and left, that I was being a slacker. What I learned is that people who are really sick maybe don't have the energy to have you come and spend a long time. I learned that if I call somebody up and say, hey, can I bring you communion and say, today's not a good day. It's not about me. You know? God used that experience to prune me of some of my own needs and desires and insecurities about my ministry and to make me, I think, a better priest for this last part of my ministry. So, and the final thing that I think we need to remember about being fruitful parts of the vine is that we're not the only ones who bear fruit. We're just one of many branches connect to the vine and that it's not our job to do everything. There is fruit that we can bear that others can't and they bear fruits that we will never produce. So that gives us permission to let go of that need to do everything and I also think it gives us appreciation for how much the life and ministry of other people enriches our lives and is necessary to us. Because not only are we a society that values productivity, we're also a society that tells us that we really have to do it all ourselves. It's all up to us. We have to stand on our own. If somebody is out of work, maybe they don't deserve food stamps because if they really worked hard enough, they wouldn't be in a situation where they needed food stamps. If somebody doesn't have insurance, well, you know, they're probably just lazy because if they really tried, they could get a job that had insurance. Or they could just take a second job or a third job and earn enough to pay for insurance. And we live in a society that tells us that if we can't provide all of our own needs, we're failures. And part of what this vine image is about is about 
being one branch on a vine and knowing that we need what others have to offer as well. And that our strength comes not from being self-sufficient, but from being part of something much bigger that is connected to Christ. And that's not just true as members of the church or as followers of Jesus. It's true in all aspects of our life. We live in a society, you know, where I'm a Democrat. I don't need those Republicans. The world would be so much better off if all those Republicans would just go away. Or You know, I'm an environmentalist. I really don't like what is happening with this crude oil train stuff. I just wish all those petroleum companies would go away. We just really don't need crude oil at all. You know, we, we tend to say, I don't need you. I don't need you. I don't like you. I don't need you. I don't like what you do. I don't need you. I don't like the way you earn your money. Go away. And being part of a vine reminds us that different is not necessarily bad. Different is just the way life is. And if I can like you, if I can talk to you, even if I disagree with you, then we can stay connected then we can be part of one society, one community, doing the work that needs to be done. So, grapevines. Grape. I love grapes. I used to love wine before I discovered that I became a much better person when I didn't drink anymore. But I still have a lot of appreciation for fine wines, even though I just look at them. And I have a lot of appreciation for the beauty of a garden with grapevines in it. But the key to being a good grape, making a good wine, having a beautiful tended grapevine, is to let the pruning happen. To shape that and to mold that vine into the best vine it can be. And that's the story with us. To be the best person, the person who produces the best of what we're capable of doing means that we need to allow ourselves to be pruned and shaped and directed by God. And we need to trust that what God is doing in us, He is also doing to others. And that as part of one vine, we can produce great abundant fruit to the glory of God and the service of our fellow human beings. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 
or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot O-R-G. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.